0: afraid to call and remember So if If your sky is dark and pours the rain
1: first scripture reading this morning is out of the Old Testament, and I'm looking at the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 10. If you have a black-covered Bible or a red-covered Bible, you can look at it. It's the third book in the Old Testament. Is it? No. It's the fifth one. There you go. Good. What are the first five? Genesis, Exodus, Exodus. Numbers, Numbers. Deuteronomy. No, no, it's not Sunday school, we're just remembering. Thank you. Now we look for chapter ten. And I will read from verses eleven through verse thirteen. Is the word of the Lord. Then the Lord said to me, get up and resume the journey and lead the people to the land I swore to give them to their ancestors so that they can take possession of it. And now Israel, what, Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you? He requires only that you fear the Lord your God and live in a way that pleases Him and love Him to serve Him. With all your heart and soul. And you must always obey the Lord's command and decrees that I am giving you today for your own good. This is the word of the Lord. Now let's go all the way to Romans. That's way about over a thousand years plus later as we go through our pages. When we go through the epistle of Paul to the Romans, and we are going to look at chapter 8, verses 1 through 11. Now, in the book of Romans, I think I shared some uh, last week or, or a couple of weeks ago uh, as a, as a coming together. The book of Romans sometimes is called the Constitution of Grace or the Constitution of the Church. Because it begins explaining the situation and the condition in which human beings find ourselves in total need and dependency on the grace and salvation from God offered through Jesus Christ. That's a big statement right there. But in that letter, Paul begins describing that need. He continues by talking about how God, in God's sovereignty, designed the solution for that need in Jesus Christ. Then he talks about the struggle That the believer has in putting the two worlds together, the world of the flesh or the world of our circumstances versus the world of the realm of God, the world of the kingdom of God, the realm of the spirit. And Paul reaches a moment where he has to convince his readers, he has to convince his audience that something significantly has taken place in their lives so that they can move from point A to point B. And this is where we catch the story. Because it begins with the wonderful words, so there is no condemnation, or in some of your versions, therefore there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ, and because you belong to him, The power of the life-given spirit has freed you. For the power of sin that leads to death, the law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have, And in that body, God declared an end of sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. He did this so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow, walk, or live in the Spirit. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Spirit of God think about the things that please the Spirit of God. Letting your sinful nature control your minds leads to death. But letting the Spirit Control your mind leads to life and peace. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's law, and it will never will. That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. But you are not controlled by your sinful natures. You are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember that those who do not have the spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to him at all. And Christ lives within you. So even though your body will die because of sin, the spirit gives you life because you have been made right with God. The spirit of God Who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, He will give you life, He will give life to your mortal bodies by this same Spirit living within you. This is the word of the Lord. In your version, it probably says there is no condemnation. To those who are in Christ, right? It uses that little word, I-N, in Christ. And I brought one of my toys today. My little ship inside a bottle. I'm covering the word Florida and covering made in China, but never mind that. It's a ship inside the bottle. Now, I used to live very close to the Gulf Stream in Florida, and, and I knew that there was a Gulf Stream that if I threw this bottle in the Gulf Stream, stream and just let it go what, and, and keep that sealed in there, the bottle sealed, what's going to happen to that little ship? Is it going to get wet? No, not at all. What happens if there's a thunderstorm, and, and the waves take the little bottle and make it wave and go wandering up, And over and under and up. What's going to happen to the little ship? Is it going to get wet? It just got tossed around. But it's safe and secure. Because it's where? In the bottle. No condemnation to those who are in Christ. You get it? You're safe. Secure. Covered. Protected. Assured that nothing can happen to you. Actually, the chapter ends with a great song. That who can separate us from the love of God? Nothing can separate us. from." So we are in Christ. And that is necessary for us to be in Christ. Safe, secure, assured that we are, man, we are it for God. We're it. Nothing, God is not going to allow us for things to happen to take us away from God's hands. Nothing can take us away from the hand of God, from the love of God. Nothing. I repeat, nothing. Cancer cannot take you away from the hand of God. Fear cannot take you away from the hand of Death cannot take you away from the love of God. Scarcity, nudity, lack of a job cannot take you away from the love of God. Nothing can take you away from the love of God because we are safe and secured in Christ Jesus. You know what is a translation for the word in in the Greek? Epsilon me, in. That's it. And You got your Greek lesson today. So there is no confusion about translation. If we are in Christ, there is no condemnation. Do you realize that? How many of you have been carrying guilt? How many of you have been carrying, walking in this life like a little worm, struggling, eating dirt? And those memories keep assailing you and you keep feeding them. But you got to remind yourself when those things come. That nothing, that there is no condemnation because you are safe, secured, bottled up in Christ. In Christ, nothing can take you away from the love of God. Now that you are in Christ and secure, our text says that we have freedom. That God has taken us away from the law of sin. That law, that mirror that made us feel guilty, that made us look sinful, that makes us realize, yes, we are sinful. But yet, that is not the way God sees me. God sees me through the eyes of Jesus Christ, forgiven, redeemed, and restored. And therefore, I have the freedom to walk. This is a choice. Whether we live by the awareness of our sin. Or we live by the awareness of the grace of what God has done through Christ in us. Which road are you going to walk in? Which life are you going to live? The life of condemnation, guilt. The life of remorses and I could have done. Or the life of the Spirit free from that. Away from that, that gives us life, hope, expectations, a dream and a vision for a future. Which one do you want? Because there is no condemnation, so now we are free to move. We are free to experience the fullness that God has to offer for each one of us. You see, Paul describes, Paul and Peter both as they fill out the pages of the New Testament, they begin to use metaphors to describe how is it that we live this life in the Spirit? How is it that we learn to walk in transformation? How is it that we learn to walk in Christ? How is it that we can actually learn to live in the Spirit and not in the flesh? This is the language that Paul uses. The flesh, perhaps, being the negative tendencies, the tendency for depression, the tendencies for anger and resentment, the tendencies of fear. That's what Paul talks about the flesh. Or do we rather live in the hope of healing, in the expectation and reality of peace, in the fact that even though my body is dying, my spirit is rising up and becoming more like Jesus? You see, They use several metaphors in the Old Testament to describe this kind of life, this kind of walk in Christ. And the reason why Paul had to use all these metaphors is because Paul is trying to describe a spiritual heavenly kind of experience here on earth. You get it? Paul is trying to describe... How we, in the flesh, can actually live above the flesh, beyond the flesh, and in the life of the Spirit. And Paul begins to use metaphors like uh, taking off the old nature and putting on the new nature. In Galatians, he talks about, for we are a new creation. The old is left behind. Behold, hang on to the new or claim the new? Paul uses another metaphor of moving from glory to glory. Growing, maturing in Christ. That is how we walk. That is all what it means. To walk, live, and, and, and in, in a life of the spirit, in a life of transformation. Where my life yesterday, my thoughts yesterday... If they were negative, if they were pulling me away from God, I have the choice to bring them back and focus in the word of Jesus. This morning, I was listening uh, to one of the, uh, of the religious shows in, in television. I like the, the, the one that comes from Michigan. Uh, I forgot the name. Uh, and, and they were talking about, they were interviewing this person. This is not a pastor preaching at all. You know, that's not what, you know, it's not, it's not what I'm doing. Uh, it was an interview with a person. And the person was actually coming out of a very bad situation with health. And the person was describing, in spite of all the tests, in spite of all the doctor visits, his body was weak, his spirit wanted to give it all up. I don't want any more testing. I don't want any more chemo. I don't want any more of that stuff. But he discovered that if he would lock himself up in a room, five minutes, that's all it took, Five minutes and began to repeat himself a certain scripture that would give him faith, they would give him courage, they would give him hope. He said, During those five minutes, as I was repeating and repeating the same scripture, it began to go from my head and it began to come down to my heart. I began to understand more as I kept on repeating and repeating that text. As I'm searching and waiting for the Spirit of God to reveal to me, give me hope, give me strength to put up with this, Lord. Five minutes, he said, from the mind, it became more real. As it got to the Spirit, it became life. And at the end of the interview, you know, the the interviewer is asking, what would you recommend of all the things that you did to overcome this near-death experience? What would you recommend? And I thought he was going to give us a good idea of a diet. I thought he was going to give us a good idea of all the steps to follow. And the old man, all he said was with great smile and his faith and great joy, find that word of God for you. Lock yourself up for five minutes before any situation. And pray that it becomes real in your heart. That is walking in the spirit. You see, because our mind is always playing. How many of you know that your mind almost has a conversation? Uh, Some of us suffer from what's called an overactive brain. There's a diagnosis. And some of us suffer from that. And I have a niece that suffers from that. And, and her mind is always creating, thinking, and just adding. She falls asleep, she goes down to bed, and it's very difficult to fall asleep because her mind is speaking. She has this chattering constantly in her brain. Well, that's how it works some slower, some faster. But that's how we we'll always have this conversation. But guess what? That conversation is filled, that conversation to yourself is filled. With that which you most watch. Yeah, you got know it. That conversation is filled with that which you most watch and invest your time in. If you invest your time into sports and you watch the Yankees and you hate the Mets, but hey, I saw the. I'm learning. I think we won. Yesterday, did we? I didn't finish the end. We did. Thank you. Thank you. You see? But but if that's all we watch, what am I gonna think of when I'm alone? Sports. I'm gonna see Brian, all these guys, you know, talking da-da-da-da-da. I'm gonna be using their words. So that in which you invest your time the most, that in which you invest your senses the most is what is going to give you your brain chatter. Shift. Add a new diet. Into the word of God. Into the things of God. And begin to focus and invest more time in the things of God. And guess what's going to happen? Out of the abundance of your heart, the mouth will speak. You will be substituting the language in your mind. You will be substituting the language. And that is precisely what our task is as light of Hope. To change the way we think. To change the way we have thought for years in the congregation that didn't give us much results. And here we are now in the cocoon, in the chrysalis, and it behooves us, it, God is calling out loud, study the new ways. Get to learn the new ways. Oh, we're not going to even to attempt to fill up these seats, these pews, and this place until we know what we're doing and God moves us in that direction. That's the way to do it. There's a new generation that doesn't respond to God the way you and I responded to God. But God is still there. And God is... Oh, I love it. And God is going to teach us. God is going to move us into learning these new ways of doing new church for the new generation because we got to to end. So, dear sisters and brothers, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because all... of He has done for you. Let them, your bodies, be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind He will find acceptable. For this is the truly way to worship Him. And don't occupy your behavior, don't occupy your minds, don't occupy your customs. Do not adopt the way of the world, but renew your way of thinking through the Word so that your way of living will also be renewed and changed. That way, then only that way, we will be able for sure to know the will of God, which is always good, pleasing, and perfect. That's the only way that you and I will figure out what is God's will for my life. What is God's will for my life? You and I have to offer ourselves, renew our minds, and adopt God's way of thinking. I say no more. <laughs> Amen. I think that was right. Let us come together as we have a moment of prayer. As we ask the Lord to take these words. And whatever is just hay and insignificant. To just blow it away with the wind. But whatever is his for our transformation in his glory. To make it real in our lives. Let us pray. Dear God, we thank you. That we are safe and secure in this building. From whatever's happening out there, we hear it. But we thank you above all that our lives, our souls, our spirit is secure and safe in Christ Jesus. That nothing and no one can separate us from the love of God. And thus we have the freedom then to move in your will, to do your vision with great freedom and creativity and innovation. Thank you for calling us, for calling us and giving us this great opportunity to walk in the spirit, to walk in transformation, and see you transforming us, changing us to the likeness of Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray and give you thanks. Amen. Amen. And amen.